Well, this morning's been wonderful already, hasn't it? We have been in a series on being redeemed from the curse of the law, and last week we, as you know, in the previous weeks we looked at what that means and what we've been redeemed from and what we've been redeemed to, and we know that sickness we've been redeemed from and we've been given health. It doesn't mean that you won't ever experience sickness, it just means you have a way out and a way to something better. Same way with poverty and prosperity. We know that part of the curse of the law, we read it in Deuteronomy, was financial um, poverty, was destruction and loss. And then we read in Corinthians how uh, that's been restored and prosperity has been given to us. So that does not mean that you will always experience prosperity. It means that you have a way to experience it. Again, that you've been redeemed out of poverty and been given prosperity. You have certain legal rights in the kingdom of heaven to request certain things and to believe for certain things. <clears throat> and so last week, as we were tying this all together, we looked at how it takes faith, that it comes by faith, Abraham being the father of faith, and he believed the word that was given to him in the face of what looked impossible to Abraham. You know, Abraham was told that he's going to have a child. Well, he's already old and his wife is old and she hasn't been able to have a child since ever, right? And she's an old woman and past those things and certain changes have come to her body now that it's not even possible for her to have a child anymore. And yet, here they were, or here we are now, right? Millions of people later, descendants of Abraham. And so... We know that to be a child of Abraham, we receive the promises that were given to Abraham. Well, those were promises of prosperity and promises of longevity and on and on we could go. And those things come to us with the Holy Spirit. Well, we started to look at our, the words we speak. That part of receiving something by faith is by, the first step in that is speaking it out. Part of receiving something by faith is you saying it. I said it a different way. I said this. I said the natural response to faith is speaking. Your natural response to faith is speaking it. And so we're going to just continue to build on that and look at that. So I'm going to ask a question. Go with me over to Proverbs chapter 18. I'm going to ask the question as you turn. Are or is... Are words important? Are the words that we speak, are they important? Do our words matter? And I believe that most of us here would very quickly say, yes, of course our words matter. And, but yet, sometimes we don't always live that way, do we? Sometimes we get a hold of a truth that absolutely changes our life. And then as time goes by, we become accustomed to knowing the truth, and sometimes we allow ourselves to slip back into older ways of talking. Maybe not completely. You might not have gone completely back to your heathen way of talking, but sometimes we let a little bit slip in. How would I know? I've done it. I do it. I find it in myself and have to root it out. And No, I don't want to say that. You know, and I, I go back and I change my words. And so, are the words that we speak important? Well, let's see what the Scripture has to say about it. In Proverbs 18, let's look at verse 20. It says, From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is satisfied. Now, what's the fruit of your mouth? It's your words. 
So from the words of your mouth, a man's stomach is satisfied. He is filled with the product of his lips. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There are those people that do not believe that your words carry power. There are people that think, no, words are just useless and meaningless and whatever. And guess what? Their words are working for them. Because their words are useless and meaningless and whatever. But the Word tells us that there's three kinds of words. There are words of life, there's words of death, and then there's words that are idle words or useless words. Words that are are meaningless and useless. And so, possibly next week or as we go forward, we're going to look at the three types of confessions, the three types of words, and we'll take a, a closer look at that. But for this morning, let's just go back to verse 21. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs is not just poetry. It was composed in a poetic way or style, but it's not just simply poetry. It is words of truth. It is words that explain to us how things work. Proverbs is full of how things work. How to make things work. And so, here we see, he gives us a simple truth. He says, by the way, you're going to eat what you speak. So, we would probably be careful what we speak, right? We would speak very intentionally. And he says, you're going to eat what you speak. Oh, in case you find that hard to believe, by the way, life and death are in the power of your tongue. So instead of, if you have a question on it, he just doubled down on it. (laughs) I'm going to go further than just what you eat, but I'm going to say more. I'm going to say, in fact, life and death. The two polar opposites. Everyone wants to live. No one is here going, man, death is great. No, we just want to see death everywhere. No, that's not us. We want life, the life of God. Well, it's in the power right here in this little hole in the front of your face. Each one of us holds the power of life and death. Now, some people have a big hole right there, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Say it with me. Life and death death are in the power of the tongue. tongue. Life and death death are in the power of my tongue. Let's go down to uh, chapter, let's back up rather to chapter 16 and look at verse 23. 16, 23 here in Proverbs. How many of us want to be wise? Well, a wise heart instructs its mouth. A wise heart instructs its mouth. Well, (laughs) in other words, someone who's wise doesn't just go off all willy-nilly at the mouth. Just saying anything and whatever, and it doesn't matter what I say. But a wise person speaks intentionally. Now notice this. If you are one that is given to not speaking, often we look at the person who speaks too much, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that as we go on in this series. But to the person who does not speak, there is also an epidemic of that, of not speaking about the situation. Men, in particular, are notorious for that, right? They deal with things, they, they internally, maybe things are going on that 
they just don't want to talk about. So they just don't talk about it. And you know, sometimes talking the problem is just the worst thing. You can, not sometimes, always. <laughs> talking the problem is, is the wrong thing to do. And men are aware of that usually, and so they will, some women are this way too, but they just don't talk about it. But that's not what we're told to do, is it? We are told to, a wise heart instructs its mouth what it's going to say. So we know there is an intentional speaking taking place. So as a man, if you come up against a problem, what you have, women too, everybody, men, women, and children, all right, and speaking donkeys, there's some of those. Um, But for those of us that are prone to just stuffing it and not talking about it, that's who I'm talking about right now. Whether you be a man or woman or child, if that's you, you need to deliberately get a hold of yourself and speak things. Not the problem, the solution. Speak life out about that situation. You know, there's other people that speak everything. They speak the problem, speak the solution, problem, solution, back and forth, back and forth. Their mouth is just all over the place, and that's called double-mindedness. But for you and I, we need to be very deliberate, very accurate, very purposeful in our speaking. Okay? Why? Well, life and death is in the power of the tongue. What are you speaking? Do our words matter? Well, according to Proverbs 21, it says a wise, our words matter because you're considered wise or a wise person will, will instruct their words. Anyone, um, verse 21, anyone with a wise heart is called discerning and sweetness of the lips, pleasant speech increases learning. That's in verse 21. In verse 23. So with your words even you can create that it increases your ability to learn. Increases your own ability to learn. But you can also increase someone else's ability to learn by speaking life over them. And then in verse 23 he says it again. A wise heart instructs its mouth and increases learning upon his speech. Simply by the way you talk you can become smarter. Simply by the words you speak. I was talking with Alex. I don't see him in here this morning. So somebody tell him. Um, I was talking with Alex and he was talking, saying how he's going to go do some schooling for something. And he was feeling a little bit uh, trepidatious about it. And so I told him, um, you know, that I just spoke life over him. I said, no, you can do it. You'll, you'll do great at that. You'll ace that test. You're going to do well. You're a smart guy. And so how can Alex um, help himself? He can speak that way to himself. I can do it. I learn quickly. Man, I remember what I read. I have a great memory when it comes to learning. And he begins to create life within himself simply by speaking those things. You know, you do not have to be a Christian at all for this to work for you. It has been proven over and over again in the medical and scientific community, people that don't even believe in God, don't even believe in this book, that they have discovered that your words absolutely carry something that brings change. And that your words have the ability to create life and death. And so we are believers and we know why those words work and because we can actually take and speak the Word of God to situations 
You know, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. And so whenever you come up against curse, if you use God's words in that situation, there's, that is the single most powerful thing that you can do. That's how you experience freedom from the curse. How you experience deliverance from the curse is by speaking what God said to the situation. Let me uh, get back to my notes here. Let's go um, to Hebrews chapter 3. And we're going to get a taste of it this morning. You know, James 3.2 says that you can control your whole body with your tongue. That you'll be a perfect and mature man, not lack anything, if you'll just control your tongue. That would mean you're wise instructing your words, instructing what you're saying. And the things that you're saying are bringing life and change to wherever they were released. You know, Scripture says that your words are to minister grace to the one that hears them. You need to listen to what you're saying. Because you're hearing your words. Nobody hears you more than you. So make sure that your words are ministering grace to you. Not, I'm so dumb, I'm such an idiot, I'm so stupid. Man, never say that. The power of death is in your tongue and you are making yourself stupid. Those words are becoming true for you. Man, treat that like saying the worst thing ever. Never speak that over yourself. And if you've said things like that over yourself, just repent and say, you know what? The Lord has made me wonderfully and fearfully. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. In fact, He's given me the mind of Christ. And I believe that Christ is pretty smart. That means I'm pretty smart. All right, here in uh, Hebrews 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and companions in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, some translations say profession. It means confession, same thing. And if you look up the meanings and the words and where it comes, the root words it comes out of, it means to agree with and say something. Or to agree with something that has been said, is what the word means. To confess it. To confess it. And so here, Jesus is our example, our apostle, our high priest, the high priest of our confession. Now, jump with me, if you would, down to chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. We've got to hold on to it. You have to grab it and grip it with a life grip. Not a death grip, life grip. Grab it, hold on to it. Hold on to what? To our confession. What confession? Okay, let's just do a little bit of backing up here. Jesus, our high priest. Where is he? Well, he is currently beside the Father. On the throne, making intercession for you and I. He's our high priest there in the heavenlies. He presented His blood on the real mercy seat in heaven. And He sits there with the Father and intercedes for you and I. So when you and I present something, He, our high priest, is there presenting it. 
and we are to hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace. Let us approach the throne where you get help. The throne of grace is God helping you. His ability made available to you. Your words are supposed to minister grace to people is what Ephesians tells us. That the hearer would be graced, would receive grace from your words. What is that? That's God's help. That you speaking to a person is bringing God's help to them. That the words you say to someone is God reaching through and touching them by your words. Okay? Well, here we are to come to the throne of grace. That's the place where God sits. With boldness, right? So that we may receive two things. Mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Meaning you won't find it if you're not looking for it. So we're going to come boldly and we're going to ask Him for grace and for help. But remember, we, went, we started in verse 14. We're going to hold fast to our confession which gives us the access. Our words, we have to hold on to our confession of Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior and our Master and our Messiah and our Deliverer and our Healer and all of those things. We have to, the one that redeemed us from the curse of the law, we have to hold on to the confession of our faith in order to be able to even come to the throne room. What am I saying to you? I'm saying your words, your confession is what gives you the access to the throne room. Your confession of faith. Not your thinking of faith, come on. Your confession of faith. Your words. Let's go to uh, chapter 10 of Hebrews. In closing. (laughs) We're not quite closing yet, but we're going to talk faster. Hebrews 10, we're going to look in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have boldness, see, we just talked about that. Well, we ask Him for it, so we have it. Since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He has inaugurated for us through the curtain that is His flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our faith. Or some translations say hope. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So we're going to hold on to the confession. These confession is words you're speaking. Words that, you, that the Lord has said that you're agreeing with. Words that are bringing life. That's the confession of your faith. The confession of your hope. And we are going to hold on to it. So that means that you have to do it deliberately. It's going to take deliberate effort on your part to hold on to the confession of faith. If you just let it take its natural route, it will ebb away and it will stop and you will not hold on to it. That's why he says, fight the good fight of faith. Hold on. It also says hold on there to to the confession. So it's something that we must lay hold of and our words are making the difference. It's called a confession, not a thinking. Not the desires of your heart. 
a confession. The rest of that verse in 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Remember what eternal life is? It's knowing the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's how Jesus described it in John chapter 17. In verse 3. Eternal life is knowing the Father. Eternal life is knowing His Son, Jesus. So, fight the good fight of faith. It's going to take a fight. It's not just going to come to you naturally. I said it's not going to come to you naturally. It's going to come to you spiritually. So that fight is in the spiritual realm. With your spirit man. Lay hold on eternal life. That would be the relationship you have with God the Father through His Son Jesus Christ. To whom you were also called and have confessed the good confession. I like that. He's acknowledging the thing you've already confessed, but you're going to keep confessing it. Having confessed the good confession... In the presence of many witnesses. So we're answering the question, does it matter what we say? It's the difference between making it or not. It's the difference between salvation or not. Romans 8. If you say, how, how is it? Well, in Romans 10, I mean, not 8. Romans 10. If you'll look with me in verses 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. With the heart, one believes, resulting in righteousness. Let's say it a different way. With the heart, one believes, resulting in actions. Resulting in a life lived righteously with His righteousness. Alright? With the heart, you believe. However, it says, so with the heart, you believe, that results in righteousness. And with the mouth, one confesses, resulting in salvation. It does not say, and with your head one thinks, resulting in salvation. The Word says, as a man thinketh, so is he. But that's because out of the abundance of your heart, you speak. And what you're thinking is what you're going to speak. So thinking is very important. It leads to speaking. So what you think is what you will say, but there is no... no Uh, The power doesn't come from what you think. It comes from what you say. Salvation to you is a direct result from your words you spoke. Words result in salvation. Are words important? Yes. Your words are the difference between God living in you and God not living in you. With the mouth, one confesses resulting in salvation. Down in verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not everyone who thinks, Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 1 John 4.15, you don't need to turn there. I'm going to read it and we're closing right now. It says, Whoever confesses that Jesus... Someone say confesses. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God... God abides in Him, and He in God. Whoever says with his mouth, Jesus is the Son of God. Acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah. Acknowledging that Jesus is God's Son. Whoever says that, God Himself, He says, will live in you and you in Him. Your words are the difference between salvation or not salvation. Your words are the difference between life and death. Literally. 
spiritually. Both sides of the coin. So are your words important? Yes. So this week, as you go through your week, what I, what I challenge you to do is... I'm going to pray this in just a moment. We're going to ask the Lord to show us, to arrest us when we speak death. Not to be word Nazis to each other. I'm not going to pray that you arrest each other. The Spirit of God in you, the one whom you serve, will arrest you. He'll give you that little momentary pause, that little, uh, something wasn't right. Shouldn't have said that. How much of this you receive and how much you will walk into your words creating life is going to depend upon your humility before the Father and being willing to correct that. Being willing to change and that little nudge comes on the inside. Because for the one whom much is given, much is required. So, so this week what I'm going to challenge you to do is when that little, mm, I just spoke death, I want you to change it immediately. Because the last thing that you say is what holds water. The last thing you say. Not what someone else says about you. They don't have authority over you. You have authority over you. Don't be like the little kids that have to have the last say. Right? They think the one who said the words last is the one who wins. No. The one, what you said about you wins. Your words. Father, I just ask you to arrest each one of us by your Spirit. That when we speak words that are bringing death over ourselves or someone else or our situation, that when we speak words of death that you would arrest us And prompt us, Father, to change them to your words of life over ourself, over our situation, over our families, over the person we minister to. Father, I thank you for doing this. I thank you that you have made us a people that declare life, a people that give life by our mouth. That our words, we, Church of the Word International, are a church that gives grace with our words to everyone who hears, starting with ourselves. And I thank you, Father, for this, in the mighty name of Jesus. And someone say, so be it. All right, one way that we love God is by loving one another here, by speaking life over each other. So I'm going to invite you all downstairs where we have some finger foods and some foods that might not involve fingers, I don't know. Um, But everyone's welcome and speak life. Good morning, family. Welcome to Church of the Word International, this beautiful morning that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We have so much to be thankful for, don't we? Let me encourage you in the Word of God. Psalms 92 says, It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. It's good, always good to thank God and to sing praises unto His name. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Lord. 
For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are His people the, of, his, of the pastor and the sheep of His, of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Sing unto the Lord and bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen and his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. For he is to be feared above all God. Let's stand up for the word of God. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are as in the sanctuary. Do no strength. His strength and beauty is right here in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering. That's an offering of praise and worship. And come before his courts with singing. This is our opportunity corporately as a family to worship the Father, to celebrate Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's do it with all our heart. Amen. You know, I appreciate Karen because she's enthusiastic. That's right. And you know what? Enthuse, enthuse means? Enthuse means filled with God. To be enthusiastic means to be filled with God. So how many are going to be enthusiastic today? Hallelujah. But I just appreciate the way you stir us up every week. Thank you very much. Okay, let's do this. Father, we recognize you as great. But we recognize you as Father this morning. As our Daddy. Lord, we cry out to you as a people that want to become more like you. Lord, I ask this morning that you would, by your Spirit, minister to our heart. We say your will be done. Your kingdom come. Lord, even now in this moment that Revelation and illumination would take place within us by your Spirit. We give you permission. Someone say, I give you permission. That you would minister, that you would open eyes, Lord. That you would touch, that you would heal. That you would restore hope within those that need it. Father, I thank you for the year 2020. Thank you for the opportunity that we have before us these next 12 months, Lord, to walk as you walk and to represent you. Father, the privilege to represent you in the earth today is much greater than we comprehend. And, and I'm asking you, Lord, that you would give us an understanding of the importance of this year, the importance of the time, the importance of, of every day that we're living. Thank you for your faithfulness because you're faithful to a thousand generations and beyond. And Father, thank you that 
You watch over Your Word to perform it. And we believe that. We stand united, Lord, on Your Word, on Your truth. And, and we're not going to move from it, Father, but we look to You, our source. We look to You because, Father, well, really, we've got nowhere else to turn except You. Thank You for Your faithfulness in 2019. Thank You for the victories that You've given us. Thank You for bringing people alongside us to walk with us that we might be more than just one by ourselves, but that we walk through it together. And Father, I say again, we look to You, our Source. Our God. Someone say, my God. My God. God. Alright, you may be seated. And maybe we'll keep the worship team just standing up here and looking pretty for us. And uh, maybe we can, uh, after a little while. Okay, just hang on to it for a minute. After um, we share... Um, I'll tell you when, but the second to last song we sang, uh, the name of it, I can't think of. Yes, maybe we'll sing that one again as we wrap up this morning. This morning's going to be just a little different than normal, so um, just be patient with that, okay? And if you would, just take a seat and hang on to this, and uh, the Lord's going to give it to us here shortly. I felt like... um, The Lord wanted me to read a story or two stories to you as a prophetic um, word for 2020 for you. And and there are stories out of the Old Testament that we can look at and say, well, um, yeah, that was was God back then, but you know, He's the God of, of today. He's the God of now, and He operates the same way. You know, in the Old Testament, the the prophet and the king... And the priests were the three people that had the Holy Spirit within and upon them to minister to the people and to the nation. The prophet, the king, and the priest. And so today, you and I, we've been made priests unto God Most High is what the Word says. And so with that coming came the Holy Spirit within and upon you and I. And while not each one of us has a voice to the nation, each one of us has a voice to the nations. Each one of us has a voice to the world that because we have the voice of God within us. So no matter how big or small you think you are, you still have a voice that will echo through eternity because of the truth that you speak and bring into the creation today. So if you look with me into 2 Kings chapter 6, there was a war happening and in about verse 8 you'll see when the king of Aram was waging war against Israel... He conferred with his servants, my camp will be at such and such a place. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. So here the prophet is receiving a word for the nation, for the king in particular. He says, be careful passing by this place for the Armenians are going down there. Well, consequently the king of Israel sent word to the place the man of God had told him about. The man of God warned the king, so the king saved himself there more than once or twice. So this is happening repeatedly. That in 
the king is, I mean, the, the prophet is receiving a word of protection, a word in advance. Well, does the word not say that the Holy Spirit will lead us, will show us things that are yet to come, will lead us into all truth? In verse 11, the king of Aram was enraged because of this matter, and he called his servants and demanded of them, Tell me, which one of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, No one, my lord the king. Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in your bedroom. So the king said, Go and see where he is so I can send men to capture him. And when he was told Elisha is in Dothan, he sent horses and chariots and a massive army there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elisha, oh my master, what are we to do? Have you ever come up against a problem where it's like, what are we going to do? This thing seems unwinnable, unbeatable. Seems like there's more that be with them than be with us. Well, Elisha said in verse 16, don't be afraid for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Now, Elisha certainly could not be looking into the natural realm here, could he? Because it's him and servant, too. So he's not doing math in the natural realm right now. But he is looking at something that everyone else is unable to see. He is looking at something. Well, he's looking at the promise of protection. He's looking at what the Lord has said he would do for him and He's looking into the unseen realm and he's seeing something all right, but no one else is seeing it. And because of this, in verse 17, then Elisha prayed and said, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So he's seeing into the spiritual realm and the Lord has given him eyes to see where the victory is coming from. And I believe that in this year of 2020, the Lord is giving you and I eyes to see where the victory is coming from. But this came when Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes. So the burden falls upon us to pray and say, Lord, open my eyes. Lord, open up the eyes of my neighbor. Lord, open up the eyes of the people of my nation. Lord, open up the eyes of the people of the world. So we have to pray that way, and then it'll take place. So in verse 18, when the Arameans came against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, please strike this nation with blindness. <laughs> really? You can just pray this way and the Lord might answer you? Well, let's see. So he struck them with blindness, and according to Elisha's word, the Lord's just waiting for you to just declare something and decree it. The Lord's waiting for you to ask Him for something. And what are we willing to be bold enough and ask Him for in 2020? It's time that we lift our eyes up past just our own little petty needs that we ask the Lord for and begin to ask Him for a nation. Begin to ask Him for something that is just completely impossible. I mean, come on, how does a whole army go blind at once? That's not even possible. Not in the natural realm. I mean, maybe two or three of them. Maybe if lightning zapped them, maybe a dozen of them. But the whole bunch of them at once? Then Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you're looking for. 
And he led them to Samaria. And when they entered Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open these men's eyes and let them see. Nice to be on a first name basis with him, isn't it? Someone says we are. She is, I am, are you? Yeah, yeah, come on. The answer is yes. Because if you're not, this morning's the time to get that way. First name basis with him. Where he would hear your request. So he says, Lord, open their eyes. And so the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and discovered they were in Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? I will kill them. Elisha replied, Don't kill them. Do you kill those you have captured with your sword or bow? Set food and water in front of them so they can eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. Not just bread and water here, but boy, he laid out the feast. So when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. The Armenian raiders did not come into Israel's land again. Victory. Here, they had victory, but why? Well, because somebody prayed. Because somebody was bold enough to say, Lord, strike them with blindness. Lord, open up their eyes. Someone was bold enough to go out and take this entire army and lead them into the place where they could be fed and watered and ministered to. And you know what? A nation in history was changed because somebody was bold enough to say, Lord, you know, Elisha could have just been like, oh Lord, protect me and my servant." And they could have just went out a different way and the Lord blinded this one group and they slipped out through. And, and, but the city still got destroyed. But see, he wasn't just asking for he, himself. And as a priest to God Most High, who are you asking for? Come on. Verse 24, sometime later, King... Benadad of Aram brought all his military units together and marched up to besiege Samaria. So there was a great famine in Samaria and they continued the siege against it until a donkey's head sold for 80 silver shekels and a cup of, a, of dove's dung sold for five silver shekels. And the king of Israel was passing by on the wall and a woman cried out to him, My lord, the king, help! And he answered, If the lord doesn't help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floor or the wine press? Then the king asked her, what's the matter? And she said, this woman said to me, give up your son and we will eat him today. And then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her the next day, give up your son and we will eat him. But she has hidden her son. Times were bad. I mean, can you imagine ever reaching the point where you're willing to eat your children? Not just anybody, but your children. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his clothes, and then he was passing by on the wall, and the people saw that there was sackcloth under his clothes next to his skin, and he announced, May God punish me and do so severely if the head of Elisha's son of Shaphat remains on his shoulders today. Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him and the king sent a man ahead of him. Before the messenger got to him, Elisha said to the elders, so while the messenger is on his way to come tell him, tell Elisha that your head's going to be lifted off of you today, this is what Elisha says to the elders. Do you see how this murderer has sent someone to cut off my head? 
Look, when the messenger comes and shuts the door, shut the door to keep him out. Isn't the sound of his master's feet behind him? So once again, he knew what was going to happen before it happened. I'm going to challenge you to ask the Lord, show me what is to come in 2020 and how that I can be prepared for it. What I can do to be prepared to me and my people for 2020. Believe the Scripture where it says that He will show us things that are yet to come. You're not just praying off willy-nilly in your own little ideas. right? But you're asking something that Jesus promised would happen by the Holy Spirit of God. I will show you things that are yet to come. So you have a right to say, Father, what's happening in 2020? <clears throat> While Elisha was still speaking with them, the messenger came down to him. Then he said, this disaster is from the Lord. Why should I trust the Lord any longer? <clears throat> these are, this is the messenger from the king saying these words. Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, about this time tomorrow at the gate of Samaria, six quarts of fine meal will sell for a shekel, and twelve quarts of barley will sell for a shekel. Now understand, all the barley and all the meal has been long gone. There is none. In fact, they're down to um, eating donkey heads and children, and using dove poop as, I guess, fuel to burn for their fires. I mean, they're down to nothing. And so, the impossible of impossible situations has just been predicted. Why? Because there was someone, once again, who dared to ask, what is going to happen, Lord? And now he is declaring forth the word of the Lord over today. What would have happened if Elijah would have said, quick, hide me in the closet? Lord, you promised to protect me, man. Keep the king out. Make sure the messenger just overlooked me. Again, just looking at himself rather than there's a city he's in. <clears throat> then the captain, the king's right-hand man, responded to the man of God. And this is a man of authority, a man of influence. He's the captain. He said, look, he, I mean, he's the right-hand man, man from the king. He said, look, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this really happen? This is important you understand how impossible the situation looked. Elijah announced, you will in fact see it with your own eyes, but you won't eat any of it. Once again, seeing what is to come. You might say, well, yeah, but Elisha was a prophet. That's right. And Elisha is speaking to the king's people and the king's men, and the Spirit of God is on him. However, you, you may not be a prophet, but you have the Spirit of God. The same spirit that Elisha had as far as the Spirit of God. Verse 3, it kind of takes a side note to reach the end of the story. It's going to now tell us a story within a story. Four men with skin diseases were at the entrance to the gate. They said to each other, why just sit here until we die? If we say, let's go into the city, we will die there because the famine is in the city. But if we sit here, we will also die. See, they could sit at the gate because the enemy army can't come up to the gate because they'll be under fire from the city. They can't go into the city because, well, there's famine there and they're leprous and they'd probably get stoned there. So they can't go there. They can't go back out to the enemy army. They'll get killed there because, 
once again, they're leprous and they wouldn't want them near them. So they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, if you will. And the only place where they're not going to get killed is underneath the gate. Well, if they stay there long enough without food, guess what? They're going to die there too. So this is what they're reasoning amongst themselves. And they said, if we sit here, we also die. So now, come on, let's go to the Armeans' camp. If they let us live, we will live. And if they kill us, we will die. Looks like we're going to die anywhere we go. So let's at least take a step in faith. And let's go to a situation that looks improbable. And let's see what's going to happen. These guys here are amazing to me because they didn't know the word of the Lord inside that had just been given. They didn't know all the things that Elisha knows and that the king and his men know and are finding difficult to believe. They didn't know these things. But yet, who is also putting it into their heart and giving them the idea, hey, how about you go out and check out the enemy camp? Right? This isn't just their own logic. Lord's planting an idea, and now they're going to act upon it. And yet, how often do you have an idea that you go, oh, no, that can't be the Lord, that's just me. But with the Spirit of God on the inside of you, that you begin to weigh those things and say, Lord, is that you? I think that's the Lord. My, my desire wouldn't be to go out to, to an enemy camp. That wouldn't be my own personal fleshly desire. And you begin to weigh these things with the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of you. And then to put feet to these things. To get out of the boat. To begin to walk in faith. And explore where the Lord's going to take you in 2020. Make that step of faith. Even in the impossible. So the diseased men got up at twilight, verse 5, to go to the Armeans' camp. <clears throat> when they came to the camp's edge, they discovered... <clears throat> excuse me, they discovered that there was not a single man there, for the Lord had caused the Armenian camp to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. The Armenians had said to each other, the king of Israel must have hired the king of the Hittites and the king of Egypt to attack us. So they had gotten up and fled at twilight, abandoning their tents, horses, and donkeys. The camp was intact, and they had fled for their lives. When these men came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent to eat and drink. Then they picked up the silver, gold, and clothing and went off and hid them. Man, they thought they hid the jackpot. Jackpot of all jackpots. They came back and entered into another tent and picked things up and hid them. And man, they're getting a whole you know, bounty of loot hidden off somewhere. And then they said to each other, We're not doing what's right. Because we're only thinking about ourselves. While the gospel was given to you, it was never given for only you. While the good news and deliverance that is available to this planet has been given certainly to you, it's not been given to only you. And how much of 2020, you know, we have the opportunity to absolutely sit and hide what we've found and hide the deliverance we have and hide that we're redeemed from the curse of the law and hide the good news of the gospel and bury it and, and use it for ourselves while people all around us are, man, desperate and eating their young. I mean, figuratively. 
and not so figuratively. Verse 9, then they said to each other, we're not doing what is right. Today is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until morning light, we will be punished. Let's go tell the king's household. Today is a day of good news. The diseased men went and called to the city's gatekeepers and told them, we went to the Armenian camp and no one is there. No human sounds. There was nothing but tethered horses and donkeys and the tents were intact. The gatekeepers called out and the news was reported to the king's household. So the king got up in the night and said to his servants, let me tell you, let me tell you what the Armenians have done to us. They know we are starving, so they have left the camp to hide in the open country, thinking, when they come out of the city, we will take them alive and go into the city. But one of his servants responded, Please, let messengers take five of the horses that are left in the city. The messengers are like the whole multitude of Israelites who will die, so let's send them and see. The messengers took two chariots with horses and the king sent them after the Armenian army saying, go and see. So they followed them as far as the Jordan. They saw that the whole way was littered with clothes and equipment the Armenians had thrown off in their haste. The messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the Armenian camp. It was then that six quarts of a fine meal sold for a shekel and twelve quarts of barley sold for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. The king had appointed the captain, his right-hand man, to be in charge of the gate. Remember that guy? The guy that said, even if God created windows and put them in heaven, this couldn't happen. But the people trampled him in the gateway. He died, just as the man of God had predicted when the king came to him. And when the man of God had said to the king, about this time tomorrow, twelve quarts of barley will sell for a shekel, and six quarts of fine meal will sell for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. This captain had answered the man of God, look, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this really happen? Elisha had said, you will in fact see it with your own eyes, but you won't eat any of it. This is what happened to him. The people trampled him in the gateway, and he died. He was told the good news, but he refused to believe. And so he witnessed it, but he never partook in it. We have the good news. And are you believers? We believe, right? We're not going to bury it. We're not going to hide it. But it's time that, that we, in 2020, we begin to do several things. We begin to ask the Lord, show us what is to come in 2020. Show us how to pray in 2020. And that we dare to ask things that are beyond our imagination. That we dare to ask things and to begin to declare and decree things that are completely in the natural mind. You go, man, that's crazy. And when the Lord begins to whisper the impossible thing to you, don't be like the captain and say, man, even if God Himself showed up with all the angels, that couldn't happen. Don't be like that man. But instead, be like Elijah and declare it. Declare it. Put, give mouth to it. The Lord is looking for His people to give mouth to His good news in, the, in this planet. Looking for His people to give mouth to the things that need to take place in 2020. Looking for His people to put words and faith and action to His plan for this year. Why don't you come?
So that was probably the most amount of confidence that I could have gotten out of that word because the word that I have is a healing word. Um, and uh, just to really speak more into what Pastor Sidney was saying, I was sitting there uh, with this word of healing that I'm going to give it to you in a minute. Um, but the Lord spoke up on my heart as I was sitting there and I was like, well, is, was it really you, Lord? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't normally like get up out of my seat and just say, hey, Pastor Sidney, I got a word, you know. But he spoke up on my heart and he said, just trust me. Just trust and go. And there was a scripture that was highlighted in there um, when, as you were reading that said, go and see. And he, and he said, he highlighted that and he said, go and see. And the word I have, someone here has an ankle problem. I was worshiping and after uh, the worship was settled, I was still in that, pace, that place of peace and I just heard the Lord speak up in my heart. And I felt like there was like an ankle cuff, um, like, like almost like a, like a, I don't know, like a brace on my ankle. And it was just like, it hurt. And I'm just like thinking to myself, like, oh man, like I wonder why that hurts. But then I'm thinking, wait, for whatever reason, I'm like, Lord, is, is this mine? And I just heard him speak up. He said, someone here has an ankle problem and I want to heal it. And it was one of those moments where I could have been like, well, no, 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 that's, that's probably for after the service. No, 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 whatever. And he's like, no, this is a now word. I want to do this now. So whoever you are, be bold, like Pastor Sidney said, because there's healing for you today. Wherever you are. Is it you? What's going on with your ankle? They put 10 pins in a... I got jumped and then um, they had to do surgery. I got 10 pins in a plate put in. And it's definitely been painful, but I've been working through it. Is it, is it okay if we just yeah. have people come around him and pray? And, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. Is it this ankle right here? Yeah. Here, roll your... Thank you, Father. God's going to do something awesome right now. Oh, Father God, we worship you as king. We honor you as holy. God, we... I'm acting on that boldness like Pastor Sidney said right now, that this that this will be just a staple for the year 2020. God, just overwhelm the hearts of everybody in this place right now. God, that this is this is not for just me. This is for the church. This is for your body, God. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just ask for your fire to fall on this ankle. God, we speak to those pins and we say, no, we don't say. We command these pins go in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God, we just ask on that word that you put in my heart, Lord, do it because you spoke up and you said you would. Do it, Lord. We believe you for the healing and we thank you for it. worship him right now and just praise him because I believe there's healing here there's no more pain he said no more pain just thank you Jesus 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. upon and within each person, each person here this morning, each person listening by the internet, Father, that your boldness and your truth and the clarity of who Jesus is in us would just, would just leap up within us in great boldness, Father. I thank you for this. I thank you for this, Father. morning, uh, the Lord gave forth a word, and I believe it's for all of you. He said, what you feel, what you believe is valuable, God wants to give you his priceless. It's so like the Lord to demonstrate his heart and to confirm what the pastor said this morning. 2020 is going to be new vision not just about your identity in God, but what he wants to do through you. You're very valuable to the Lord, but he wants to give you priceless. And that pricelessness to the Father is people. People are the most priceless thing to the Father. So there is, there is a, a transforming, and I, I could hear David's scripture saying search my heart O Lord search me and see if there be any wicked way in me the Lord is purging correcting adjusting the hearts of his kids right now we're to examine our hearts we're in a season right now of examining our hearts before the father and repenting means having a change of heart a change of direction leaving that and going forward not looking back we're in that season 
I know you're all sensing that. It's self-examination. And that season right now for each and every one of us is to make way for the priceless of God flowing through you. His power, His glory, His healing, His character. And that comes by fasting and praying. Fasting puts your flesh under. Praying in the Spirit taps into the mysteries of God, past the veil that you can't see here now. It brings you past that to hear the heart of the Father, to hear Him whisper to you and give you what you're going to get for tomorrow, that you even know what you're going to step into. That's all being made available. God wants to give you is priceless. We have to step into it. We have to do something different than where we're right now, which is valuable. And if you want it, it's available. It's available. I'm telling you, I know this by the Spirit of God. He is speaking to each and every one of us here now. How much you want of this is up to you. But if you want it, the Holy Spirit is going to accommodate you to walk in it and through it. And God's going to use you in his pricelessness. The children could be released right now. Love on your neighbor. Tell them you're glad that they're here. King of kings and Lord of lords, is he Lord of your heart? We're going to prepare to return our tithes to the Lord this morning. You know, we don't just pass the basket here at CWI, and there's a reason for that. Um, We believe to give you scripture to connect your faith to. And not only that, 
offerings, the offerings of the Lord are important. And offerings reveal our heart towards God. Did you know that? You know, over and over in Scripture, you'll see instances, individuals' lives where God moved in their heart, they were soft towards God, tender towards God, and what they want to do. You know, out of their mouth came a, an exaltation to the Lord, but they want to make an offering, want to sacrifice something, they want to give, they want to... You see that. And then on the flip side, there's times where individuals gave an offering, and it revealed that their heart wasn't right. And, and we've seen that in, in different cases. So offerings, our attitude towards offerings, reveals our heart towards God. So turn in your, in your Bibles to Psalms. You know, I just love watching the Holy Ghost thread things because I wanted to read Psalms 95. And I thought, I just don't have, I don't have time to do that. And, I'm, you know, in speaking of offerings and why they're important, one of the reasons is, is because he's worthy. He is the great I am. He is worthy of your anything that you could possibly have to give. He's worthy of it. And so I was wanted to read Psalms 95, and Karen gets up and reads it. <laughs> and I want, I'm going to read in Psalms 96, but I was having a hard time finding where to dive into. But Psalms 96, verse 4 you know, after he's been declaring how great the Lord is and how he's our maker and he's made everything and how let's, let's come and let's worship, let's bow down and, and let's not harden our hearts. Let's be soft and tender towards him. And he says in verse 4, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, for he is to be feared above all gods. He is number one. And lest you think, let's just stop here for a second. He is to be feared above all gods, unless you think, well, you know, I'm not kneeling before some Buddha statue or some other thing of graven image kind of thing. You know, we, you know, I'm not part of that. All gods. There's God of money. There's a God of comfort zone. God of career. You can make your family your God. Look, anything you exalt higher than God and what he said to do, anything that you would know but this over here, when God has said, can be a God. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. Nothing compares to him. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord. Really, that just means credit. Give or credit or give the credit for. Credit the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord, or credit to the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe, or credit to the Lord, the glory due his name. And bring an offering. See, that, that word offering in the Hebrew literally means gift. Yes, open your mouth and, and exalt his name. Bring a gift, and that can look like lots of things. Your time, your resources, your money, your stuff. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. You know, offerings and worship go together. And when you worship the Lord, it's just natural to give. And, and more than just one area. Now, how many of you know 1 Samuel 2.30? Where he says, they that honor me, I will honor them. You know, figure the Lord knows how to honor people. Bigger if he says, 
I will honor you that he could do it and that it would be good. See, he, he loves you and he's for you. He is worthy of honor. We, we owe it to him. It's due his name. But he wants to honor you too. So let's joyfully and gladly return our stuff to him, our tithes to him, our offerings. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you. And you are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords, and, and you are worthy of anything and everything we could possibly give. And Father, we give you our hearts first of all. We recognize you as Lord and Master, and we just exalt you this morning. We cheerfully return our tithe to you. We recognize you as the sustainer, as the provider, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, and amen. And ushers, you can pass the baskets. We have a new member this morning, little Daxton Wade Armstrong. Can we welcome him with a hand clap? Congratulations to the Armstrong family. Pastor. He's so good and kind and patient and full of grace, full of mercy full of help when you need it. You know, 2019 has been a, it's a year of prosperity. And I believe 2020 is the same. And so I'm going to give a a word of wisdom, or a, not a word of wisdom as in, a word of wisdom as we think by the moving of the Spirit in, in Scripture, but a wise word. Okay, and a, um, some instruction or for you to look out for something as we are in a more prosperous time. Now, I understand that not everyone is experiencing prosperity, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that we are as collectively as a nation, we are living in a prosperous time. And... So if you are one of those that are experiencing the prosperity, do not um, find the places for your money that are unnecessary or because we now have the money where when later, when it's not as prosperous as it is now, that you're overstretched and too thin and you crumble and fall. A lot of that happened the last time this nation was experiencing uh, financial prosperity and people got stretched too thin and, and then when harder times came there was a lot of collapsing and I was one of those you know I, I completely experienced that and had to repent out of it so um, I just say to you be mindful to do what the Lord tells you to do and just because you have the ability to do something doesn't mean that you should do it financially okay okay